So if you have your Bible this morning, would you turn to Matthew? Uh, I want to look at the heart behind baptism, why we do it, and the importance of it. And it's something that Christian churches all do in one way or another. But the how, the when, the, and it's debated from one church to another. And we all come from different backgrounds, so we kind of know this. We know that um, different churches do it differently. But the reason that Christian churches do water baptism is because of something Jesus said. So he gathers his closest followers and tells them this in Matthew 28, 19, and 20. He says this, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Would you all stand with me this morning as we pray? God, I just thank you so much for today and what today means for people as they declare that you are Lord, that you have changed their life, God. Would we be challenged by these testimonies? Would, be, would we be encouraged by these testimonies today? And would we take a step closer in your direction? Would we hear from you? God, would you speak through me? In your name we pray, amen. All right, give someone a high five as you find a seat. All right. So the scripture that we just read, uh, Pastor Corey actually used this in his his sermon last week, if you were here. Um, And he talked about going and making disciples. So this week, though, we're focusing on the command that Jesus said, go and baptize them. So Jesus says to baptize, what is that? What does it look like? And I think the easiest way to to tell you is first to tell you what it is not. Um, So water baptism does not forgive sins. That's the first thing that we see. It is not salvation. We're not being being baptized to be saved. Um, It doesn't wash away our sin. It doesn't wash away the original sin or anything like that. You are saved by the grace of God through Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross. And that is an amazing thing. So the next thing that baptism is not is it's not about joining a church. So the people that we're baptizing today, they aren't being joined into our church, or to the RLC family. I mean, they already are a part of that. Um, that's not what this is, though. Um, if you think back to the first century when the first church was first starting, there was no different denominations. There wasn't this church and that church. There was the church. So that just wouldn't have really made sense to them, this, this concept of being baptized into a specific church. And that's why we practice what we call a believer's baptism. That's where a person first believes, then they make that decision of, I want to be baptized. So if it's not, not salvation, if it's not joining our church, then what is it? It is water baptism is an outward expression of what has already happened on the inside. It's a symbolic event. We take a person down under the water, symbolizing dying to your old self, death to sin, death to all that, who you used to be, and then we bring them back up, which is symbolic of new life, becoming a new person, sins forgiven. But baptism doesn't do that. It doesn't do those things. It's symbolic. Symbolic of what has already happened on the inside of a person. Understand, baptism doesn't forgive sins. We kind of already said that. It doesn't wash away our sins. That's already happened. Um, in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, Uh, Paul tells us this. He says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. 
And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. So if water baptism actually forgave sins, then we would be adding to the work God has already done. We are saved by grace, and nothing I can do can save me, but it is by believing. So baptism is an outward expression of what has already happened on the inside. That's number one. Number two is water baptism is going public with the decision you have made to follow Jesus. It's about standing in front of your friends, your family, your church family, and declaring to the world that I have decided to follow Jesus. This is such a powerful thing for, for our church family, for the people that attend, that see these testimonies, taking a stand, going public up in front of everybody, declaring that I've given my life to Jesus. What a beautiful thing. What an amazing symbolism. And that was a lot on baptism really quick, and it was quick on purpose. I want to dive into something uh, that's related to baptism, that's a big part of it, and it's actually a very important part, and that is this. It's the, the decision that goes into and the commitment to following Jesus. That's what we said baptism is. It's the decision. It's the, it's the symbolic of I've decided to follow Jesus. Jesus talked about a commitment to follow him all over the New Testament. Uh, that's the, that's the last third of our Bible. And I want to look at one story in particular in the Bible found in Matthew 19, 16 through 22. And this is the story of a rich young man. He, he comes up to Jesus, and here's what we find out. Verse 16 says, Someone came to Jesus with this question, Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? Why ask me about what is good? Jesus replied, There is only one who is good. But to answer your question, if you want to receive eternal life, keep the commandments. Which one? The man asked. And Jesus replied, You must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. Honor your father and mother. Love your neighbor as yourself. I've obeyed all these commandments, the young man replied. What else must I do? Jesus told him, If you want to be perfect, go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then, come, follow me. But when the young man heard this, he went away sad, for he had many possessions. Then Jesus said to his disciples, I tell you the truth, it is very hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. So here's this man. He's genuinely looking for the answer. God, Jesus, how do I have eternal life? And some translations after actually say he ran to Jesus, fell at his knees, and he says, Jesus, what must I do? Jesus says, you know, follow, follow the commandments. And uh, he's like, yep, got those. What else must I do? And Jesus is like, okay, sure, you got all those, yep. Anyway, uh, there's one thing you need to still do. Sell everything, give it away, and come with me. And the man is just, he's, he's torn in this moment. He doesn't know what to do. He, he just walks away. He doesn't even actually say anything. Understand this point of the story, though. The moral of the story is not, you must sell all your possessions to follow Jesus. And everybody took a deep breath. <laughs> the reality of the story is actually much more challenging than that. Jesus exposed the flaw in the man. This man's riches had his heart and represented much more than just money. His riches were his God, his idol, his comfort, his motivation, his stability, and he was not going to give them up to follow Jesus. 
And this, but this is the commitment level that Jesus wanted from the man. Understand that Jesus didn't want the man to do more. He wanted his heart. The commandment of selling everything was specific to the rich man because that was the barrier to following Jesus. But if the idea of selling everything to follow Jesus makes us a little nervous, maybe we are too attached to our possessions. This is the point. Jesus doesn't want there to be any barriers to follow him. And it's the commitment that he's asking for us today. He wants us to commit to give him, to give up anything to follow him. No barriers, nothing in the way of the relationship and the new life that he promises us. The thing is, every commitment in life has a cost. Everything. And we need to count that cost. Let me give you an example of this. If I, if I wanted to get in shape, I, it would cost me something to do this. I would have to get to bed earlier so I could get up in the morning and actually get to the gym instead of pushing snooze about three times. And I need to stop snacking so much or choose better snacks. Uh, I need to not have a big bowl of Fruity Pebbles before bed. And I need to put in the work at the gym when I get there. It doesn't pay to go there and just sit there. Um, I wish it worked that way, but it doesn't. <laughs> I have to do more laundry because I'm going to the gym more. I have to deal with muscle soreness occasionally. I have to plan my workouts. I actually have to put some work into there. So it's co it costs me something. However, there is a cost to my lack of commitment to getting in shape as well. If I don't exercise, I'll be out of shape. This affects my overall health. I have less energy in the long run. I get depressed because my body's not active. My sleep gets worse because I'm not active during the day. I don't look as good. And there's a potential of a hidden cost as well. I may not know it until it's too late. I might have back pain, maybe heart disease, a stroke. There is a cost to not going. So whatever I choose, if I choose to go or if I choose not to go, I will be paying a cost of some sort. And our lives are filled with costs from small commitments like the time it takes to do the dishes tonight or do I want to do in the morning? I'm going to pay in the time that it takes to do that. The cost of buying the lar larger laundry soap or the smaller one, I'm going to pay in pennies, you know, over time. Um, and I don't know who needs to hear this, but don't tell yourself, I'll get gas in the morning. It's not, <laughs> it's not a good decision. It's not worth the cost. Just get it today on your way home. Okay, I'm glad I was helpful there. Every time I've told myself, I'll get gas in the morning, it was a bad decision. <laughs> but there, there are other massive costs we pay, right, from other decisions, like the commitment to go to marriage counseling. Like it costs us humility that I, I need to go and it costs us money up front. But the reward of a healthy marriage is worth it. The commitment of strategizing to spending your money wisely today will determine your future years from now. It costs us sacrifices every single day, but the reward of being financially free can be massively powerful in someone's life. So we count the costs every day for these things, even getting gas before or after work or whatever. And sometimes we do it without even thinking about it. Like, I'll just do that later. We should, we should do this commitment with Jesus too, with God. And Jesus actually tells us to do this in, in Luke 14. He, he says that builders count the cost before building to make sure that they can finish this, the building that they're going. Kings count the cost before, before going to war to see if there's a peaceful solution. Likewise, 
You should count the cost of being my followers, what he says. Yeah, there, there are costs of following Jesus. Like, I can't do whatever I want. He asks us to do things differently in our life. God wants me to forgive and love people that have hurt me. I can't sleep in on Sundays. I should spend more, my money differently. I have to put on pants to get the mail. Wait. Oh. <laughs> that, that was my neighbor. I'm sorry. <laughs> that wasn't Jesus. Okay. So, yeah. I'm, uh, there are costs, and some of them are big. It is going to take reconstructing our entire lives to follow Jesus. But the rewards far await the cost. I have hope. I have freedom from sin, addiction, depression, anxiety. My life has purpose. He teaches me to spend my money better. I love my kids and my wife better. My relationships, my friendships are better. I have peace in my life. I have joy. All of these are fantastic. But it's not about these temporary things. I have eternal life with him because of what he did on the cross. And that is the greatest reward and worth every cost that I could ever have to pay. How could I ever have to pay more than he already did? Jesus actually gave an example of someone that counted the cost in the Bible. In Matthew 13, uh, 44, Jesus compares following him to a treasure in the field. And I'm just going to quickly paraphrase for it for you today. So uh, in this verse, this guy is walking around the field, and he finds a treasure in the field. And he is so excited what he finds, he hides it again. Because he, he runs home and realizes, I have to buy this field. I need this treasure. This is worth so much. So he goes home. He's looking around his house. He's like, man, uh, I don't have enough gold. What, what can I sell? Oh, man, what can I sell? I could maybe sell maybe the table. I don't need a table. Um, Maybe this extra shirt. I don't need this shirt. But then he realizes something. It's going to cost him everything. He's like, what I have isn't worth enough. I, I have to sell all of it. I have to sell all of it. It doesn't even matter. Because whatever's in that field was worth everything. The treasure in that field did cost him everything. But at the same time, it made him even richer because of its value. It was worth so much. It didn't matter that he had to give up everything. In America, I think it's easy to count the cost of being a Christian a little too low. In other countries, being a Christian isn't just unpopular. It's straight up illegal. Or, or there's so many loopholes in the laws that there's severe persecution to be a Christian. And this isn't back in Bible times. This isn't some part of history that we would know, like, this is today. This is 2022. There are stories from these places where people lose their families, their kids, all their possessions and home. They are imprisoned, threatened, even executed. And yes, this is terrible, but listen, they counted the cost. They knew the risk. A commitment to Jesus may literally cost them everything, even their life. But they still said yes. The treasure they found was worth it. It was worth it all to them. A commitment to Jesus was priceless. I'm not saying you're not a real Christian unless you die for your faith and how tragic that is, that that's actually even happening in the world today. That shouldn't be. That's, that's not right. 
but counting the, the cost as high as my family, my home, my comforts and possessions, yes, even my life, you can have it all. If you ask it, God, I'll give it to you. Now, there's a tension here, and some of us are feeling it. I definitely felt it as I was writing this because uh, I just said that, wait, hold on, we're, 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 we just said that we, we can't earn our faith. We, nothing we can do. And yes, nothing you do can save you. But just like the rich man that wouldn't sell his things, Jesus doesn't want you to do more or add things to your checklist. He wants a relationship with you. He wants your heart. So just like my marriage, I didn't win my wife over, marry her, and then stop trying. I still spend time with her. I listen to her. Well, you know, as best as I can. <laughs> uh, we laugh and cry together. Uh, I no longer live a life of my own. We do life together. The cost I pay to have a marriage with my wife is small in comparison to the beautiful friendship we have and the person I get to spend my life with. It doesn't mean our marriage is perfect. You can ask her that. <laughs> it means we said to each other, no matter what, I will try my best to live for this marriage and not for myself. So many people want a wedding to find that person to stand up front with, a few, and a few people want a marriage. Or they forgot to count the cost of what it, what it really means to, to commit to this new life. And the comparison is similar, similar to following Jesus. One author puts it this way, the biggest threat to the church today are people who call themselves Christians but aren't actually interested in following Christ. They want to be close enough to Jesus to get all the benefits, but not so close that it requires anything from them. This is the picture of following Jesus. The cost I pay is small in comparison to the beautiful, amazing new life with him. So as we see people get baptized today, they made a commitment. They counted the cost and are publicly saying, I have decided to follow Jesus. I am dead to myself, but it's worth the cost because I'm raised with new life, sins forgiven, hope for today, and hope for a future. It's not that they are perfect. Don't mishear me on that. It doesn't mean that we all have our lives figured out to, to the perfection and they're complete or they won't mess up again. It's, but it's a state of mind, no matter what, no matter what. I have decided to follow you, Jesus. Like the man finding treasure in a field, when we count the cost, Jesus is worth everything. So the question I have today is, have you counted the cost? Is he worth it? Let's pray. Jesus, I, I pray today that these testimonies we're about to hear would just speak life into us, they would speak that, um, that we should count the cost of following you, God. That we would take one step forward, one step closer to you today, and say you're worth it. You're worth it, Jesus. We understand, God, that you, that you love us, that you love us tremendously, God. And we just pray over this time. And we pray. Amen.
All right. First thing we're going to do is we're going to have our kids come in and join us. So if you had a kid upstairs in kids' church, put your hand up, look around, stand up if you need to, find your kids. So kids, come find your parents. I love this, that we're able to have our kids come in and, and be a witness to this as well. It's fun. So we'll give them a minute. Good job, everybody. Most of them were found. That's good. Some of you are like, I'm not claiming anything. You're keeping them. <laughs> All right. So here's what's going to happen. We have uh, three people who are going to be baptized this service. And like Jeremy said, we have three people in the next service as well. Um, basically, what's going to happen is one by one, they're going to come and they're going to get in the tank. And I'm going to share just a little bit of their story with you of what God has done in their life. And then after we share the story, we are going to put them all the way underwater, as Jeremy said, signifying them dying to their own life. And then we're going to pull them back up out of the water um, as a symbol of like new life in Christ. And when they come out of the water, this is your part, okay? This is a celebration. This is not a somber ceremony or anything like that. This is a party, okay? So when they come out of the water, your job is to cheer and clap and whistle. And we like to say, do whatever you can get your central Minnesota Norwegian self to do, okay? Let's get excited for these people. And one by one, they're going to come up and we're going to do this. So that's what's going to happen. Let's get started. Tommy's the first one. Tommy, come and join us up here. Pastor Kyle's going to be in the tank with them. So this week, we, we had each of them write up a little story of kind of what God has been doing. And so, Tommy, uh, you grew up in the Catholic Church, and you, you said you did all the Catholic stuff. You had your first communion. You were confirmed. You you helped with church fundraisers and you even taught religion classes and it was it was good. And you you went to church occasionally, but never really felt God's presence at that time. And you went to college and you stopped kind of going to church altogether. You got married right after college to someone who didn't believe in church, so you still had no reason to go to church. And then your two boys were born and you still didn't go to church, but you had them baptized because that's just what you did, right? Then you said, she used these words and she said, my second life started. That sounded cool to me. You met someone who was open about his faith. He prayed out loud. He loved you and your kids. He brought you to his church and you felt welcome. Uh, you said, I didn't feel like everyone was watching me and judging me. You went through a lot of turbulence in your previous life. You didn't trust God to help you through your ordeals, but now you're reading your Bible, which you had never done before. You're reflecting on God's presence in your life. You're praying first. You see the positive things rather than looking at all the negatives. You said, I can't change the past, but I can repent and I can live for the future. That's the story of Jesus right there in people's lives. You felt closer to God in the last two and a half years than you have in the previous 33. You also said that you're working on better reflecting Jesus. 
You love learning about God every day and how he never gives up on you. You've started listening to Christian music, the Bible or podcasts, Christian podcasts, whenever you're in your vehicle, out doing yard work, uh, garden work, or you just need background noise. I understand that you have kids like I do. You also said that you're journaling when you're reading your Bible. I mean, these are all things that people do when God has got a hold of them. This is awesome, Tommy. And you want to be baptized today because you want to show everyone that you choose Jesus. You want to show your children that are right over there how God is there for us, not just for the big things, but for the little things too. And you want to be a good role model for your children and help them to choose to follow Jesus as well. That's awesome. So Tommy, you've obviously given your life to Jesus, isn't that right? All right, because you have made this decision, we baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. young man right here. His name is Jay Newbert. Jay has uh, has been a Christian pretty much pretty much your whole life. You, you grew up going to church and you decided you said you decided to follow Jesus when you were just five years old. Um, but growing up you kind of just went through the motions of being a Christian. It happens all the time when we're kids. Um, you went to church. You didn't really feel really find that you liked church all that much but you still went because you knew that you should and that God wanted you to do it and you wanted to please God. And getting baptized is something that Jay said has always kind of been on his mind. He'd think about it, they'd, somebody would talk about it and be like, ah, oh, yeah, I, I'll get to it, that kind of a thing. But every time it gets brought up, it just gets put off and put off and put off. But these last few months, and this is amazing, um, I've known Jay for a while and I used to try to bug him to come to youth group all the time. Do you remember we had a meeting at Jitters a couple months ago? And I said, Jay, what would it look like for you to come to youth group? And he said, well, I don't mean to make it your fault, but it's your fault. I said, what? And he said, if you would just text me every week and remind me to come to youth group, I would come. And I was like, I can do that. I can do that. But over the last few months, Jay said, it's like something has changed in his life. It's not just going through the motions anymore. He's excited about his relationship with God. He's pursuing God just like God is pursuing him. And this has been something real for you. Proud of you, man. And because of that growth, you feel like you really want to get baptized and you just want to show your faith to everybody out there. This is awesome. Jay, you've given your life to Jesus? Awesome. Because you have made that decision, we baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Last one for this service, absolutely not least, this is Sharon Bisson. And it's amazing when when we ask people to share their stories, we get different 
types and different lengths and Sharon's story as I read through it four pages of it was absolutely it was it's powerful and so I'm gonna share most of it with you right now um, but Sharon you give credit to both your mom and your grandma for showing you how to live a what she put in quotes as good life which actually turned out like how to live for Jesus. As you got older, you figured that out. You said your mom brought you and your four siblings to church every single Sunday, every holy day. She taught you about God through celebrating the sacraments. Um, and, and you knew God from all of this, but the God you knew was a God of fear. Interesting. You felt like you were the biggest sinner and you worked so hard to be really, really good because you felt like you could never be good enough to make it to heaven. That was your understanding for so many years. And because of this, you were teased by other kids about being holier than thou. You always were doing what was right. You even thought about becoming a nun. You wanted to do it. But then um, there was this event in your life that made you start thinking a little bit differently. Uh, she said she went to a Billy Graham event. If you know who Billy Graham is, amazing evangelist for years and years. Went with your sister Lynn and some of her friends. And as you listened, you wanted to go down to the front and talk to somebody about what you were hearing, but you were afraid. And even still, you knew then that there was more to God than you knew about him, just from hearing from that. But out of fear and respect for your grandmother, you kind of just continued to live the way that you always had lived. It wasn't until your four daughters moved out, your marriage failed, you got divorced, your grandma had passed, that you started searching for things about God that were bothering all these, bothering you all these years. And in fact, she said, I stopped going to church altogether because you just felt like you for sure were going to hell because you got divorced. So why try? Jumping ahead a little bit, you got a new job, one of your coworkers, a lot of your coworkers had so much to do with this story. It's so cool. So here's a few things. One of her coworkers made the remark, well, you're a Christian, so of course you do this, right? And, but you weren't really sure what that even meant. What does it mean to be a Christian? Another time, a coworker thanked you for introducing her to Jesus, and you panicked because at this job, you are not supposed to talk about Jesus, and, and you made it very clear. I did not share Jesus with you. I did not say anything. And she said, oh, no, no, Sharon, you never talked about Jesus. To which she, and she said, Sharon, you never talked about Jesus, but your actions definitely show others you have a relationship with him. Oh, that's awesome. And this minister today is a minister. Uh, this friend, this coworker is now a minister because of the interactions you had even. Then another coworker shared Jesus with you and asked you a question about the Bible and you had to admit that you, you strongly believe in Jesus but you've never read the Bible. Her response was, well, it's never too late to start. So through all these actions, she kind of felt the desire to go back to church and that's when, um, actually I met with Sharon, right? We met and I encourage you to just come and try it out. And if you don't like it, that's fine. But you did, and you've been here ever since. And how long has that been? Like, was that summer of like 19 or what, maybe three, three years, maybe something like that? Four years, maybe? And then, and then I connected you with Alice Rothfork. Alice sit in the back there. And she brought you to Pat Kreider's uh, Bible study on Tuesday mornings. And you started learning the Bible and getting excited about the Bible. And then in a conversation with Marge Anderson, and she's always ushering in that back corner. So I'm sure it was right over there. You had this conversation. 
um, she said something that was a bit of a light bulb for you. She said, Sharon, you don't have to pay your way to heaven. And at that moment, you realized what had been bothering you all those years. You always thought you had to do good deeds in order to go to heaven, but now you know it's only through accepting Jesus. You no longer fear God. You're eager to learn about him and share what you learn with others. You talk to God as much as you possibly can. You know that God isn't condemning you, but he loves you unconditionally. And you told me to make sure that I mentioned your really good friend, Anne Brunswick, as well. Um, you said through Anne, you have learned so much about being a follower of Jesus and what that looks like. God has definitely put her in your life to help you with this. And Sharon wants to challenge all of us here today to trust God with our whole being. She says he is with you in the good times as well as in the challenging times. And he has equipped you with everything you need. You just have to trust him. Sharon, you want to be baptized today because you want the world to know that you love God and you no longer care if you're teased about your faith or not knowing as much about the Bible as others. You said, I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be and I look forward to what God has in store for me. What a fabulous story. You're amazing. Yes, you've given your life to Jesus. Yes, because you have done that, Sharon, we baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Tabby, when Tabby tells her story, uh, she tells it like this. She talked about how she grew up in a fairly strict denomination of Christianity. And while it works for some people, she says for sure, it didn't necessarily work for her. It wasn't the case for her. You said that it felt as if you were going through the motions of being a Christian, but there was no Christ in your Christian life. There was even a time in your mid-teenage years where you walked away from God completely. But then one day, this crazy girl at the gym, okay, I added that part. <laughs> Tabby didn't say that. But one day at the gym, Chelsea Matvey invited you to come to church. Uh, and you say that you were moved in a way that you only thought happened in movies and books. Stop crying. You're going to make me cry. <laughs> this was a pivotal moment for your faith journey because this was the time that you chose you chose to really follow Jesus. You talk about how you've witnessed so many beautiful things since choosing to follow Jesus. There are testimonies of Tabby's life that happened right here in Sock Center and there are testimonies that are happening right now in her life as she's going to college down in the cities as well. You're more conscious of what you say, what you do, how you say it, how you do it, and you are always digging deeper in your relationship with God. I'm so proud of you. Tabby wants to challenge all of us here today to not be scared to take the next step in your faith journey. Sometimes it's scary to step out and follow God and to do something against the grain. But she says, take the step. Don't be afraid. Don't blame God for the pain or the bad things that have happened in your life. And know that the good things in your life, that is God at work. Tabby's getting baptized today because, well, you are leaving behind the person you were before. That person no longer has a hold on you. Fear is not your future, and sin is not your story anymore. Tabby, you've given your life to Jesus, isn't that right? All right, because you have done that, we baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.
Blake, come on up. This young lady here is Blake Eden. It's not cold, it's nice in there. <laughs> Blake, you have said uh, that you've had some tough times in your life already, even though you're young, but God has always been with you. Shared with us how um, there was a time where you were living in foster care and it, how, how it felt weird because you wanted to be with your mom so bad, but you prayed every single day and now you're back with your mom again. God has helped ease your pain. He has helped ease your suffering from so many things that were beyond your control. Even though these were hard times, there was some good that came out of those hard times. You have learned to trust God because of everything you've been through. Before God was in her life, um, Blake says that she felt anxious, she felt stressed out, and she was worried about all sorts of things. But now you feel more comfortable and accepting of the things that you can't control. This is words from this young lady right here. You said that your friendships are stronger and that your mom really, really likes it when you pray with her before bed. You wanted to tell people here today, she, this is what she wants to say, your faith will carry you through. Believe in God, because I sure do. Never give up, never give in, or the devil will win. Those are her words. And you're getting baptized today because you are so happy that your sins have been washed away and you want to continue to follow Jesus. You've given your life to Jesus, haven't you? Yes, you have. And because you've done that, we baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I think that's I think that's it for today. Uh, oh, we have one more. This is my son Jasper. Yes. So Jasper um, hasn't had much of a choice in going to church in his life, have you? He's a pastor's kid. He was born uh, going to church the very next week. I remember the first Sunday we were at church, we were in Cold Spring at this time, and I held him up in front of everybody and did the whole uh, Lion King thing, like, nah, it was amazing. And ever since then, you've been going to church. And we were talking yesterday about this, and he said, I went to church every week, but I didn't really understand what it was all about. Um, you've always loved church, though, because you get to see your friends, you get to be around people. He just likes to be around people. But that changed, that whole, I just wanna be around people thing changed one year at family camp. Um, it was about when he was seven years old, you had an experience with God at one of the services at the altar at family camp. It was really the first time that you said you felt God's presence and knew that it was real. That changed what church was all about. You started experiencing God more and more every single week at church, but still wasn't quite ready to be baptized. He came home a couple years ago. Um, it was the service that his older cousin Evan got baptized in. And we were having a conversation and he said, I wanna get baptized. And so we talked about it and we came to the conclusion that really he wanted to get baptized because he wanted to be like his older cousin. And so we said, well, maybe that's not quite the right reason, let's wait. Since then, you've had a few more really cool uh, experiences with God. Last year, 2021, uh, summer, June of kids camp, 
you felt like God spoke to you about being a pastor when you grew up. I have an amazing picture of you two praying together at the altar. That was so cool. And then this year at camp, God spoke to you again as a confirmation. And, and like, you are going to do this. You are going to be a pastor. And you said, he said last night, it was even more powerful this time than it was last year. Jasper loves learning about the Bible. We do Bible study together. Like every other night we sit down and we watch a video together and we talk and we study and that's always fun. And with all of that kind of stuff, um, when we announced baptism this time around, he came up to me and he said, I'm ready, I wanna do this. And so we sat down, we talked again, and we decided that he truly is ready. He truly does have a relationship with God and wants to continue to move forward for the right reasons. So today, Jasper's getting baptized because he wants to show everyone that he is truly committed to God. He was so excited to invite his friends from school and sports. Thank you for coming. There are four families here that are here to support. We have grandparents that are here to support. This means so much to him and to me. Jasper wanted me to share one thing with you. He said, if you don't know God that well, you should work on getting closer to him by reading your Bible. By praying and going to church and actually worshiping him so that you can grow closer to him and get more courage to know, tell more people about him. Oh, this wasn't supposed to happen, you guys. All right, Jasper, you've given your life to Jesus. Because you've done that, we baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. God, you are so good. Thank you so much for being able to hear these stories of people's lives being changed. God, you are constantly pursuing us. You're constantly coming after us. God, I thank you that we have an opportunity to respond to you, to say yes to you after you're chasing us down. And God, I pray this morning that we would just worship you and thank you for what this all means. God, I pray that you continue to speak to us even now. We thank you again for what happened here today. In Jesus' name, amen. Man, what an amazing day. The music time, the prayer, the message, of course, the baptisms. Like It's so powerful to hear these stories. And today, it, it would be a shame if we didn't respond in some way or at least take a moment to reflect and Two things, basically. Number one is this. Maybe through everything that's happened today or through a certain portion, you're thinking to yourself like, wow, I want that. I want to make that commitment. I have counted the cost like Pastor Jeremy was talking about. And I want to have a relationship like these people have. I want to have a story of God moving in my life and changing me, my life going in a different direction. If, if that's you, you have an opportunity 
to respond to Jesus today. I'm going to pray in just a moment. And if you are here and you're like, I want to start that. I want to start living a life for Jesus, not just believing in him, but living for him. I want to have that relationship. I want to know that we're good. And if that's you, just when we pray in a minute here, you can start having that conversation with God right then. You just start telling him, Jesus, I believe in you. I know what you did for me on that cross. You died for me. I want you to forgive me of my sins. Help me to live for you. Now, you're not going to be perfect for the rest of your life. Don't don't mishear me. But it's this idea of, God, I want to go towards you now. I want to live for you. You're in control, not me. And if you want to make that decision today, you can start talking to God about that even right now in your mind or whisper, whatever you want to do. The other part is this. Some of us here, we've made the commitment to follow Jesus. We're living for him. And the next step for us is to do this right here, what we just saw today, this baptism. Jesus commands, go into all the world and make disciples, baptizing them. Jesus wants us to do this. He wants us to stand up in front of people and say, I have committed So many times, like Pastor Jeremy said, we American Christians cannot be super committed. We can be complacent. And when we stand up in front of a group of people like that, like this, it's a little intimidating, it's a little scary, but don't let that stop you from making a commitment. I mean, for crying out loud, Jesus died on the cross for us. Talk about being uncomfortable. I think if we truly love him, we can stand up in front and be uncomfortable and commit ourselves to him in front of the people that we care about. And so if that's you, if you're like, maybe baptism is my next step, I want you to grab a connect card that's in front of you in the seat there. I want you to write your name on it and I want you to write baptism on the card. This isn't saying I am getting baptized next time. What this is, is Pastor Jeremy actually will contact you, have a conversation with you and say, hey, is this your next step? Every time we do this, people write their name down and we talk to them and some people are like, I don't think this is the right time. So, but if you just feel like maybe God's nudging you a little bit, like, hey, this might be it, write it down. Let's have a conversation. Let's see if this is what God has for you. All right, let's pray and then we're gonna close. God, again, man, so good. Thank you. Thank you for what you're doing today in people's lives, not just the people on the stage, but even the people here listening to the stories, hearing the stories, the people online that are watching. God, you're moving in us. And first of all, God, maybe there's people in this room or watching online that are are thinking to themselves, I need to commit. I want to commit. I've counted the cost and I want to follow Jesus. I know it's going to be work. I know I don't always get to do what I want to do, but there comes with that peace and joy and hope and of course, eternal salvation. And so God, I pray that even right now, as we are talking about this, as I'm praying, they are talking to you saying, God, I want to follow you. Forgive me of my sins. God, I pray for those people right now. God, I also pray for people in this room who are thinking, what's my next step? Is it baptism? God, I pray that you help us to continue moving forward, whatever our step is. If we've already been baptized, what's our next step? God, we always want to be growing in you, growing closer to you and helping your kingdom move forward. So show us, God, speak to us, move in us, I pray, Jesus. Thank you one more time for what happened today. We love you and we praise you in your name.